That was the joke. You did a good job with that. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Buddy, happy Thursday morning. It's the Lifestyle Business Podcast, a show where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom and opportunity in your life. Speaking of opportunities, is Mr. Opportunity, the king of the forgotten kingdom of opportunity land. It's the man who puts the light into the city of lights. Welcome to Gay Paris, my friend. What an introduction. Here we are in Paris. <laughs> yeah, it's good times. Uh, we are ramping up for DC Berlin. If you guys stick around to the end of this particular program, we're going to share with you a pep talk on venturing into the imperfection, the scariness, uh, the resistance of starting a business. Talk about imperfection, buddy. I think we've, we've, we've made a couple mistakes in the last two weeks. Yeah, the mistake we made with the April Fool's Day joke was that we didn't clearly say it was an April Fool's Day joke at the end of these episodes. For you hardcore listeners out there, you would know that we barely get this <laughs> podcast out every Thursday, so us putting out a podcast on Monday, it's it's unthinkable. But yes, it was an April Fool's joke. Uh, Matt, or excuse me, Mike and Rob they are not taking over our podcast. We're but if they did, stay. they would be fantastic. I they mean, would let's be. be clear about that. They Those guys be. are the bomb. Yes. But if, you know, also, Ian and I wouldn't leave you guys hanging like that uh, unless we got maybe mauled by a moto scooter here in Paris. I mean, right. we're not going to just say <laughs> game over. You know, th- this podcast is the best business that we own. <laughs> it's not even a business, but it is the best thing that we do. So thanks for joining us, and uh, we promise uh, not to do that again. Yeah, everything else is work. This is, just, you know what I mean? Like, you were just doing payroll, I was just doing email, and now we're sitting here joking about having a good time, talking to thousands of other entrepreneurs who are looking to live the location-independent lifestyle and build something bottle. So speaking of that, Nick writes us from Modern Sprout Planter. Dot com says, Dan and Ian have started something great with the LBP, and hopefully Rob and Mike can continue it over at StartupsForTheRestOfUs.com. <laughs> I actually have been a listener for both of the shows, of course, um, and uh, I really enjoy them. Anyway, thanks so much uh, for showing me the way, Nick. Cheers, buddy. And we got one-star review. Ouch. <laughs> you yeah. gotta, I'm not going to read it. mistake. Hey, it's, it's actually a funny review, so you can go read it. A little bit about Ian and I's drug habits. <laughs> what do you say? Speaking of uh, indulgences, let's get on to the meat and potatoes of the foie gras and the fleet. Robert from CEO Talk Radio sends us a two-part episode request. One, the first is related to uh, the relative profitability return generated from pursuing perfection Versus good enough. Robert's seen a lot of people seeking, quote, perfection instead of just good enough solutions, which is, of course, what we talk about here at the podcast. If we sought perfection, this podcast wouldn't be going out right now, right? Correct. The second thing he asks is this issue around the time and financial resource allocation of turning that good enough into perfection eventually once you're sort of seeing ROI. All right, so this is a two-part question, right? So this pursuit in perfection versus good enough. I want to talk about uh, physical products for a minute here. Yeah. Uh, the first physical product that we put out, and I like to tell the story, it was a total disaster. Um, 
we uh, we designed it for six months. It came in. It was it was a disaster by by anybody's definition. We sent it out and we got a lot of hate. Uh, but then what we percentage of them do you think we're breaking? Uh, a lot, <clears throat> probably fifty percent. Wow. So so we started to make refinements, and ever since then, version one. Now we're on version seven for this particular product that I'm thinking about, and we've continued to make adjustments. Um, and so I don't think that that product is a good enough product. I think that we're always trying to strive for perfection in that product because it's one of our breadwinners. Yeah. Um, we have other products that aren't as profitable and are is not as important to us, and we don't perfect them at all. We just kind of put them out there. You know, we'll reorder them. I'll know that there's a couple of issues with them that aren't perfect. Well, you know, we had a, back in that. I mean, that was pretty terrifying, right? I remember looking at the warehouse thinking, oh, my gosh, this isn't up to our expectations. But, of course, we were being presumptuous. The marketplace, you know, we made that tough decision to say, you know what? We're in business. We have to put this product in people's hands, work with them on it. We fixed those products, by the way, and that right. was expensive. We we developed a conversation with the marketplace. Our goal as business people was not to sit in our tinker room and create products that met random presumptions. Our goal as business people was to get products in people's hands. Right. And that's what we did. And that's why we're still sitting here five years later. Yeah, we solved a bunch of different problems. So we were the, our lead times were less than some of the other manufacturers. Great point. Remember, like one thing was broken and our, some of our customers didn't even care about that. Right. They cared about these other problems that they had that we were fixing that we didn't even know they were fixing. Right. So maybe, maybe it's time you find out what perfection means to your customer, what good enough means to your customer. Yeah. So here's the punchline um, to that second point of Robert's, which is what happens like when you know, okay, so there's this issue that happens where if you get good, you start shipping stuff that's, quote, incomplete. But then do you go back and do you optimize uh, that one thing that's really working out well for you? Well, yeah, you optimize it, but you never really achieve perfection. That's sort of like a mental crutch. The punchline is business are dynamic systems. So every time you optimize one element of it, there becomes a kink somewhere else necessarily. Like, a, like the mole pop-up game, right? It is. Like you hit the mole and then another one pops up. Here's the thing. If you feel like something's perfect in your business right now, you're probably either A, kidding yourself, B, not in business, or C, you're not pushing it hard enough. Or as Archer would say, you're in the danger zone. (laughs) (laughs) There's one thing that uh, I was credited with this statement. Um, One of the listeners, um, uh, Jimmy from Manal, said this was useful for him because He's developing a product, and I feel his pain and his passion and how difficult that is. Physical product. Yeah, and I said uh, this Manal shirt that I just got, actually, and it's great. And um, we'll talk more about that in the future, but I said, Jimmy, man, uh, everything is always effed up. You know, when you're in a business setting, it is this machine, this entity that goes out and creates little mistakes everywhere. That's what you do as a business person, and any time... A flood of customers or a flood of money or a flood of complaints, a flood of traffic, you name it, something breaks. That's how it works. So get rid of this illusion. I remember when I first got a job at a small business, I was horrified, horrified at what was happening behind the scenes. You know? Yeah, I was uh, developing products and, and you, were, uh, you were a manager there. And uh, I looked at the product line. There was like several hundred products and like, uh, I, you know, I started tinkering with them and there was like tons of 
imperfections and inefficiencies yeah. in the product line. And at first, it like drove me crazy. I was like, how can we have At first, this? you're thinking, these guys are jerks. These, right. guys, these guys are bozos. You freak out, right? You go from employee to business owner and like all my personal finances are in order. I file my taxes yeah. on time. Like, you know, this door is closed. This door is open. And it's just not that cut and dry with business. There's uh, tons of loose ends all over the place and nothing seems to be perfect. All right. This, business, this, this podcast is turning into a loose end. So without further ado, we will... <laughs> <laughs> Man, I got to work on my humor. I got to work on my sense of humor. Um, the top five uh, uh, imperfect issues that people are having a hard time with. We're going to do a classic top five list. And before I move on with this, I got to throw out a book recommendation. Uh, Taylor, our boy, uh, absolutely recommended a barn burner. Uh, Nicholas Talib's most recent anti-fragile. If you are having trouble with perfection in your business or your career or your life, do me a favor. Stop the podcast right now. Nothing we are going to say is going to help you as much as what Nicholas Talib has committed to writing um, in the last year. Anti-fragile. It's brilliant. Okay, it's brilliant on this whole imperfect issue. It's good timing, and it's helping me a lot with the stuff that I'm doing too. So, Ian, what would you suspect is the opposite of fragile? Uh, fragile. I would suspect. Um unbreakable right unbreakable or robust and so what so what nicholas basically says is people in in an attempt to get oh free from fragile they go to robust but they have an incorrect understanding what they need to go is to anti-fragile which anti-fragile things are things that break up instead of break down and you know what the number one uh, like the case study the golden boy case study for breaking up is uh with your girlfriend what do you mean (laughs) I mean in a direction. Oh, okay. <laughs> businesses. Businesses break up. But robust businesses, things that don't break, have a harder time breaking up. That's the punchline, right? So his whole idea, his whole premise of the book is you need to understand that there's something opposite of fragile. And it's not strong. It's breaking up, not breaking down. Got it. So anyway, absolutely a brilliant, brilliant book. But anyway, the top five things. Uh, number one, not charging money and not asking people to buy. I mean, I, I think people feel like their marketing message is imperfect if you know people aren't coming and throwing money in their direction. But at the end of the day, people are busy. You know, people are going to say they want to be your customer. They're going to want to do something. But then if you don't come to them and say, "By the way, it's time to buy now," and you got to know, of course, it's going to be imperfect timing for that. Of course, they're not going to necessarily be happy with that product. You don't know. If you're trying to insulate yourself from that, you might be insulating yourself from your business or having a business. Right. Number two, not selling stuff that people want. This is an imperfect. I see all the time because people that have businesses, your customers will often come to you and say, you know what I'd love? X. And the entrepreneur is thinking, you know what I would love is for me to go back into my tinker room and do Y for the next six months. Right. And this is a thing that, you know, I just think an imperfection that people need to learn to understand because it is, there's this thing that Talib brings up in the book, which is a bit complex. He calls it the teleological fallacy. And it's this idea that we think we're writing our stories proactively. But what's actually happening is we're creating these random events that then te- that eventually we retrospectively tell ourselves a story about. Right. So if we really want to harness the energy of the world and put ourselves in the most uh, advantageous position, when someone comes to me and says, Dan, I would pay you you know, $100,000 if you do X, you know, that's something that I really want. 
listen to that rather than going back into the tinker shop saying, you know what? I really want to have a blue piece of cat furniture. Yeah, this is a mistake that we made at the beginning and uh, talk about ego. So you got to be a little bit, you got to have a little bit of an ego, I think, to get into business and then you got to be egoless to serve your customers, right? Yeah. So when we first started doing business at Modern Cat Designs, uh, we started designing products that we thought that we wanted. Um, and it took us several months, even maybe years for us to start developing uh, products that are consumer or customers wanted or that the market wanted somebody sat me down for lunch the other day and said so dan your uh your cat furniture it's um it's kind of ugly oh thank you who is that <laughs> <laughs> do you tell me after no, the podcast please give me their email address number three number three worrying about company and corporation stuff i get still get so many emails ian about um from people just getting started or people in the first year what about you know where should i do payment process where should i pay taxes where should i do this where should i do that the answer is always who cares well, yeah, so we, t- we talk a lot about company and corporation stuff, so it's not who cares, but it's a, it's a timing issue, right? Okay. So it's, um, you know, there, you, you file your taxes late, you set up your incorporation late, you pay a penalty. It's, this, these aren't drop-dead dates, right? Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to get rolling on your business, you want to start things moving, and then you can kind of go back and figure things out. But the most important thing is that you start selling products to your customers, yes. not that you figure out where should I incorporate I mean, you don't have a business once you incorporate. You have a business once there's money coming to you under the name of that product or service. Right. What a great problem to have to figure out where to incorporate. The reason you have that product is because you're selling products. Number four, buying a good website design. Well, this issue, is this not moot now that we've got theme for us and stuff like this? If you're spending more than two hours trying to figure out what your blog or your content marketing website looks like, I think that's two hours too many. Anybody interested in uh, seeing what we used to be up to, go to the Wayback Machine uh, type in moderncatdesigns.com and you can see in 2007 what our Yahoo store used to look like. Look, if you're brand new, th- spend all the time you were going to spend messing around with your logo. And Ian, are you having trouble keeping your screen bright? Because I have a quick tip for you. <laughs> Do you listen to this podcast? Check out caffeineappbaby.com. Download it. Put it on your computer screen. Put it on your SOP for podcast recording. And you won't have to touch your, your trackpad all the time. This is a huge tangent, but I just changed some <laughs> settings like 30 minutes ago. You didn't all right, see it. All right, all right, all right. I'm just bust, busting your chops. Um, look, I, you spend all that time you were going to spend on your website design. Spend it on recording a 10-minute audio explaining to your marketplace or your target market what you do. Write down a sales letter, a clear, long, uh, a a journey of words. Tell me what it is that you do and why that's valuable and put a price tag on it. Um, Having a clever design is not going to do that. Our first product, we spent so long on the words and no time on the design because it was Yahoo site builder or whatever. And it didn't matter because it was the words that people that want to buy stuff, they want to know what it is. They don't see, oh, pretty picture, here's 500 bucks. Right. There are exceptions. If you're building a map application, I think you're going to have to have a good UI to try and compete with Google Maps. But sure. that's not generally the case. If you're going to launch a podcast, I would recommend having a nicely designed badge for the iTunes store. Fair enough. There are exceptions, but don't kid yourself here. Most people I see... Um, going crazy about design. They're not going nearly proportionately crazy enough about their copy. The most important design element on a website is your copy because design is what inspires people to act and tells them what to do. And what you want them to do is understand your product enough to buy it. That's writing or audio or whatever. By the way, check out Ben from AuthorityEngine.com. See how he took this advice and turned his website into something that looks pretty to something that sells and it's working. Number five, uh, the personal financial situation. Too many people waiting to optimize this, Ian. Um, 
you know, waiting around for the right moment to quit the job or waiting around for the right moment to take a risk on the business. The bottom line is that this risk setting attitude is a mindset more than it is a particular financial situation. If you really have opted into that mindset of living the imperfect life, as we call it, you know, that's what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. I mean, you would be so surprised if you were to come sit here in this room and listen to Ian and I spitball back and forth about the same damn issue in our business for the 15th time. You'd think we're some neurotic, undereducated, which is all true. This is true. But I'll tell you this. That's what all entrepreneurs are doing. They're chewing that same piece of freaking meat over and over and over and over again, just trying to figure out exactly how to slice it, what to do. That is, if, 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 if it's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what to do and there's how things go down and blah, blah, blah. Well, then you're probably hanging out with some professor of science or something. You're not hanging out with an entrepreneur. That's what we're in this. We're not, and that's what, back to Nicholas, we're not in this robust area. We're in this fragile or this anti-fragile area where we don't know what's going to happen. And that's part of the fun of being an entrepreneur. So look, if you're waiting for your financial situation to, to your Bank of America to send you an email that says, hey, congratulations, Dan, you've done a great job the last six months. It's time to go take some risks. Not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, one of the guys that I, I think has some good information on being financially healthy personally is uh, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. I don't subscribe to everything that he uh, puts out, but I do subscribe to some of his different ideas about how much you should have in your savings account, how much money you should borrow for so, per consumer debt, and he would say zero. Yeah. Uh, but he's got some really good information on this, and uh, if, you're, if you're looking for some guidance, I would definitely subscribe to Dave Ramsey. Great well, podcast. Yeah, and well, Nicholas, again, back to the book, has a great rant about debt and not freaking having it because you got to be in a position where you've got nothing to lose. And when you got debt, man, ugh, you got to get rid of it. That's, that's ground zero of this entrepreneurship stuff. All right, let's get moving on to just the tips. You've been listening to more stories lately saying it might be funnier than Adam Carolla. Sacrilege, sir. Oh, I don't know if it's funnier, but uh, it's definitely uh, one, of the top, uh, one of the top three podcasts that I'm listening to now is uh, More Stories, Jay Moore. Uh, Jay Moore, he's, he's a pretty good interviewer, so he does, a, he does a, a really good job of pulling out information from people. The last uh, interview that I listened to was uh, Margaret Chow and also Brace, uh, Brace the Gigolo. So interesting uh, two podcasts I, de I definitely recommend. Check out A Burner by Mitch Joel last episode. We were just talking up six pixels of separation. All of a sudden comes out with this episode <clears throat> excuse me, by Alistair Kroll. Yeah. Gotta listen to really it. Really good. I mean, it's the best 40 minutes of audio I listened to all last week, so do check that out absolutely all right hey standard outro music uh today because we're a little bit busy and it's an imperfect episode but uh the artist of this dan andrews composed on garage band and hey who says you need good podcast music in order to put out a podcast wow all right we'll see you guys next thursday morning booyah Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.